if you're called to do this, you're just going to do it. You know, I mean, it's not even an option. It hasn't been an option for a long time. And there are times where I've been frustrated, and I'll say to my wife, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do this. And she just laughs. She's like, right, okay. Yeah, you let me know what, a, what your other career is going to be, mister. <laughs> like, I, she knows. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Pod County. I'm your host, Kyle Grantham, but not today. Today, I'm letting Brian Cunningham host the show. Thanks, Kyle. You're welcome. It means a lot. Looking forward to it. It took a lot. You had to twist my arm right off to do this. It's going to be a great conversation. Artist, author, singer, songwriter, Stephen Kellogg. And you're a huge Stephen Kellogg fan. I'd say so. Yeah. So that's full disclosure. After doing this, I'm a huge Stephen Kellogg fan. You should be, and everyone should be. He was fantastic. Great for the whole family. He's like the Rafi for adults. First time we ever have recorded live music in the studio, so that's that was cool. Mm-hmm. And he's amazing, so that sounded yep. great too. So if you're not aware of Stephen Kellogg, which I really wasn't until Brian brought him to my attention, and then I was very aware of him because he sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. So I was a big fan going into this. You've been a big fan for a long time. You're going to leave this a fan because he's awesome. And he's playing tonight at the Queen. Of course, we're not going to get this into your ear holes before you'd have an opportunity to see him at the Queen tonight, but he's still on tour. so And he never stops touring. Never. And he comes through here on the regular. Yep. So if you are, again, not part of the Stephen Kellogg listening family yet, you should be after this, and then he can be on your radar when he comes through again. Get on it. For sure. Okay, so sit back and enjoy this conversation with Stephen Kellogg. Join us, won't you? Won't you? Cunningham professional broadcaster. WWs. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. I'll try not to rustle papers. Yeah. As that I, bothers I, Kyle. Oh man, yeah, these are hot. Yeah, they're they're well, it's it's really it's just a monitor top. Are you are you too loud? No, no, it's, it's actually nice. It's good. Kyle, I'll do yeah, the intro. Check one, two. Oh, you're gonna do the intro. I've prepared one. Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. Well, we're, we've been recording for thirty seconds. Super. Super. All right, let's get started because mime is money. Sure. Okay. I'm gonna cut all. You that know, the, are you familiar with the reference? Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, is that Steve Martin? Where is that one from? Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod County. I'm your co-host Brian Cunningham, and thank you to host and executive producer Kyle Grantham for offering me a mic for today's recording. Here at Pod County, we've worked hard to bring you in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with newsmakers, artists, and philanthropists. And everyday folks who have a story or a lesson they want to share, all with the Delaware and Newcastle County tie. Today's guest is all those things and more. He's singer-songwriter, 17 albums to his credit, Grammy nomination, published author, Objects in the Mirror, and is in the midst of a 26 tour date with his friend Matt Nathanson, of which more than half are sold out. <laughs> he is fresh off his return to Wilmington Queen Theater, which he's performing at tonight. It's our pleasure to sit down and speak with Mr. Stephen Kellogg. Stephen, welcome to the program. Woo! All right. Yes. Hey. There we yes. are. Glad big to be audience. Here. Big yes. audience in huge, here. Huge, huge audience. Next, uh, so this is your fourth, about fourth time in Delaware, Newcastle County. You know, I'm not sure exactly. I definitely have been to the Queen once, and I'm excited to have returned. You yeah. know, so, so yeah. it's a, it's a great. It's sold out. Yeah. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great show. What are you what are you expecting tonight? 
Well, just every night, you know, I'm I'm I I grew up listening to the Grateful Dead, and I so I change the set every night and try to tell different stories every night. And uh, I love I love when we're in an environment like the Queen, where it's where you it's a it's proper, you know, it feels like a theater, and I love that. Uh, lets me tell my stories and sing my songs. Yeah. So I noticed you left with led with let me tell your stories, and one of the things that your audiences are accustomed to are the anecdotes and stories of life on the road, life with family. Do you ever, like, pre-approve stories before you go out to the stage with these? No, I mean, I don't. Let me put it this way. A lot of these stories, I've told them before, and I've told them with slight variations or whatever, you know, how they just come out. I do, I, because I have written books and stuff, I did start writing down good things when they have you know when something happens and it's it's funny and a friend of mine explained it as you don't not play a song because you've already played that song you know so if you have a story that can inspire somebody or make them laugh or feel something you know by just telling it and not being self-conscious of maybe you've told this story before but if it's well told and it's good you're still giving them something same way you would with a song and that's really helped me in the last few years just really lean into the storytelling part of the show. I was telling Kyle before we uh, before we came in here. One of the funniest things I've heard, pandemic wise, was people ask you, you know, you're in a bubble, and do you want to come over for dinner or lunch? And you say, oh, you, or celebrate somebody's birthday. Oh, we're really kind of keeping it in the bubble right now. And yeah, but uh, somebody asks you for courtside, you know, if you want to go to courtside Celtics game, you say, oh, you know, got to live your life. Exactly. Got, gotta t- you know, <laughs> yeah, we call that one pandemic excuses. And, right. Uh, actually, I <laughs> forgot about that. We got to actually, I'll slide that in at the Please next do. show. Yeah, it's yeah. a good one. So 26 shows on the road, and with anyone who travels for a living like you do and make their money traveling, there's balances that you have to strike with family and you were telling me earlier some some require a little bit logistical juggling <laughs> if you will a logistical and, nightmare and you leave yeah. that up to shady yeah well shady does shady's my tour manager for the better part of 20 years now and and uh i really can't imagine doing the job without the support uh that he's provided but yeah i mean like my daughter i've missed a lot of things like a lot of people i've missed things that I would have liked to have been at. But um, as I get older, I'm 46 now, I just, this tour, I looked at it and wanted to do the tour, but I did not want to miss my, my 12-year-old stage debut. And it occurred to me that I could just not do the last date, you know? Like, it, I think the the desire to provide has always been so strong that you go, any chance to work, I'll work. But then you start to realize, wow, sometimes it's all you do, and, and that's not correct priorities wise for me anyway so i so i'm doing this and i'm my manager instead of giving me a hard time about it said she said i'm proud of you that's the i think that's great no problem you're human right you you can't only give there's got to be there's got to be some take back for yourself well you know and i and i but i get the income i mean it's that it's that fear i've been afraid for 22 years that the bottom's about to fall out tomorrow i mean every Every time you, you just, I don't know why, why I would think that. There's no indication that that's going to be the case, but I, I worry about that. I always, it's just, are we going to have enough, uh, you know, money to do what the kids need done and take care of everything? And so you just, you work and you work and you work, but then realizing like, whoa, 
life is we're more than halfway done, you know, and and uh, wanting to also make sure that we're there in other ways, you know. But you're a father of four. Yes. Yeah. So you got some responsibility. I guess so. You know. <laughs> yeah. We all do. All of us. All, all. You know. All of us parent folk. And and you were and Kyle and I are a similar generation, where our parents worked as well, and and I, I've been lucky to be able to pick and choose where I want to be. And I, I said a lot of people in my generation will be in therapy because their parents weren't around. They were latchkey kids. And I said, if anything, my kids will be in therapy because I'm around too much. Exactly. <laughs> I know. And it's a pendulum. Oh, man. It's, it's, I am, you know, I joke about it, and I do get frustrated because of how much, I, you know, the, the amount of things today – I'm talking to my wife, and she says, oh, well, it's winter carnival. I'm like, what? Winter carnival? <laughs> like, everything's a festival, a celebration. I'm, it's, there's so much. And I can't remember which comedian was just talking about this, but they were like, when we were younger, like, your parents were a hero if they went to one thing all year, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's true. We're, we're expected to do a lot uh, and be it a lot. And I, you know, so I'm trying to find a balance in the middle because I also love – as a latchkey kid, I loved uh, you. It makes you resourceful, you know, and you, there's an independence. It's cool. Sure. The Kraft macaroni and cheese. Oh, the first so one you made. Blue box. <laughs> tasted so good. It's never tasted <laughs> as good. All by yourself. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the, the college. One. I think that was the last time that tasted good. <laughs> yep. At I 3 a.m. Parents let me turn on a stove. Reminded me to turn the stove off. Mm hmm. And it was there. Important. But you really hit something there, Brian. I mean, it th it was Kraft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> that was the thing you made for yourself. Microwave hot dog, maybe. Yep. Although those were that was catches. I mean, sometimes it would come out one. Microwaves, <laughs> in general, are pretty <laughs> random. You have to know its strengths. And we I passed the microwave the other day at a theater, and it said, "Do not use for popcorn." <laughs> I don't know what had happened. In what the else past do you then? use a microwave for? I don't know. Like maybe something. Yeah. Well, I used to use it for a timer for Nerf basketball, but that's that's uh, you know that's anyway. That's <laughs> I, I, I can't even follow. I'm trying to think with that. I, I didn't follow that. A Nerf basket. Anyway, uh, yeah, I yeah. Can. We can just ride. turning a microwave on with nothing <laughs> yeah. in it has certainly you affected the timer. Him. You use yeah, the timer. Sure. You use the timer oh, effect, and we I do a three-point yeah. shooting contest in uh -huh. the kitchen. We use the little Nerf thing oh. hanging on the thing. You set it for thirty just seconds. I got you. That makes sense. Is a, is the twelve-year-old your oldest or? No, my oldest is uh, uh, she's eighteen. Okay. So I got one. She'll go to college next year, and then I have a fifteen-year-old, and then a twelve and a ten. And the 15-year-old and the 18-year-old came on the road with us this summer. And recently, the 15-year-old choreographed our, um, our new music video that's coming wow. out next uh, month. So it's been really fun to work with them. And it's not like a, oh, I'm cute thing. It's a, it, I mean, they are cuties, but they, they really add so much. I mean, to get to do that with them is uh, perform and... You know, Sophia plays piano, and they both sing, and it's just—it's great fun. That's huge bragging rights back at school too. Like, oh, 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 what did you do? Oh, yeah, I choreographed a music music video. It's not a big deal. Well, I know, and my oldest daughter. So we were on tour with Counting Crows last summer, and she came out and did uh, a week and a half of dates, and she sat in with me, but she also sat in with Counting Crows. They heard them and were like, "You guys got to play with us." So she's filling out her college applications, and it and y there's all these things you can add and 
I said, you probably, you should put that you did that on there. And she's like, well, I don't know. Is that like a real thing? I'm yeah. like, <laughs> you played to like 7,000 people a night. It's a real thing. You did it, you know, you should. And it's interesting. But she, they're very, they're, they're very uh, humble kids. They're, they're pretty scrappy and very, very nice kids. So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No. I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> My wife is awesome. I'll say that. She's very braggadocious and pompous and yeah. t- talks. <laughs> what? So you have the four girls, and two of them are musical. I get the feeling that all four will, will be musically inclined. Uh, or yeah, I think so. I think I think uh, my feeling about music and 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 is that. I want them to be comfortable to stand in any room or in any setting and say, "Here's what I think," you know. So I think. In that sense, we don't make a big deal about it. I'm not always riding them to practice or something like that. But I think it's a nice way of learning to be in the world because whatever you do, you're going to have to interact with people. And I'm a pretty introverted person who would sometimes have have to like will myself to talk to people. But I think that them growing up this way will probably increase their comfort level in a lot of situations playing in front of seven thousand people will definitely get you out of your shell a little bit right i know as, as noel was going into sixth grade and i'm like can you imagine like because she sat in she sat in one night the 12 year old and i was like i can't imagine starting sixth grade with the confidence of knowing that <laughs> i could do that you know that oh, would have been a, made middle school perhaps less tumultuous do, do you regale them they're in musical theater do you regale them with your time on the stage as well with my theater days, yes. back in middle school and <laughs> uh, high school, um, yeah, yeah, sometimes, sometimes, you know, I was in a lot of plays with some people who went on to uh, Justin Long, a very famous actor who was in The Crucible with me. He was Reverend Hale. Uh, Mike McGlone, who was the Geico guy, was uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. So I, I, I witnessed some great actors enough to know that. I wasn't going to be doing acting for a living. You could kind of see greatness on around you and be like, all right, I'm going to pick something <laughs> else. You yeah. landed on your feet. Yeah. Yeah, we did so, all right. You know, as you talk about your kids kind of getting into it, been able to work with some bands. For some of them, they have a very kind of negative, like, this is the devil I've chosen to work with, with the industry. And then some are very happy in what they're doing, and, and they're having a lot of success. You, you wouldn't steer your kids away from it. I mean, and you know the realities of the music industry, right? It can be brutal, but you see them getting into it. Do you? Do you kind of? Um, I don't know, or just you know what? Go, go, do your thing. It's a great question, Kyle. I, I, you know, I saw that movie Chef. You ever see that movie? I love how he just wants to share what he knows. He makes tacos and he wants to share it with his son, and he says that. I, like this is what has. My, has motivated my life. I just want to show it to you, you know? And I feel that way. And I think it's hard to watch anyone you love know it. Like, when you know pain and challenges will occur, it's hard to let somebody walk into that. But the reality is, of course, that's going to be in any path. That's just part of being alive. So in that sense, I, I'm okay with if they want to do this. And... and I'd love to help them. I'd love to, that to be some something that I do in the next chapter. Maybe not necessarily their manager or something, but my goal, my perfect dream retirement would be to be able to help the four girls and whatever they're doing. If they're running a bakery, I'll run the register. That's like that's my vision. That would be the greatest reason to retire, just to be able to 
play that role in their life at that point. Dad, you know? can you roadie for me? Sorry, I have to work the bakery register. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but I feel that way. I'll spread it around, you know. If one of them does does this and whatever they're doing, I just, you know, that's like, that's, it feels like part of the journey. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Gotta Sorry. follow. No, you, no, okay. you go ahead. Go ahead. I was very, <laughs> I was very curious. Cause I was, I was thinking about, you know, these guys that I just, I absolutely love them as a band, but it's just three different labels and, you know, they're still cranking stuff out. And I feel like, you know, I started in journalism and everybody told me like, good luck, have fun. And I'm sure. like, nah, forget you. It's going to be great. And now you know, I look back and I'm like, they weren't wrong, but I wouldn't trade it, you know, and that's it. Well, that's, that's totally it. And I don't know why everybody thinks they got to warn you against these, these types of careers. Oh, that's a tough living. It's like, everything's a tough living. If you're called to do this, you're just going to do it. You know, I mean, it's not even an option. It hasn't been an option for a long time. And there are times where I've been frustrated, usually about money or, or some business thing that's going on. And I'll say to my wife, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do this. And she just laughs. She's like, right. Okay. Yeah. You let me know what, a, what your other career is going to be, mister. <laughs> like I need, she knows. And, and, uh, She's a realist, but you know it's you can play it all out, but you're gonna come back to it. Yeah, know? yeah. If it's in your heart, you gotta you gotta do it. You're not gonna be happy doing anything else. It's true for sure. It's true. Let's talk about the book. Mm. It's been out for almost it's, it's not, yeah a year or two, maybe year and a half, probably. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people have books in them, and it's another thing to actually put it on paper and. And type it out. Talk about your process in getting the words either on the notebook or typing it up. And yeah. How did you like kind of get over any feeling of doubt? Like, who would want to read this, or why am I writing this? Or yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. Uh, Andy Rooney has a great thing about everybody thinks they'd write a book if only they had the time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I always thought that was great, and and he's not wrong because. Boy, it's it was a lot of work, and it took me longer than I thought it was going to. There are things you learn writing your first one about the way that a book could be organized or whatever. But there's also the the thing. Um, I had a friend who's a best-selling author who who sort of wrote his books based on what he thought people needed, and I wasn't writing a book. So it wasn't mark. I guess cookbooks are the best-selling books, but I'm not going to write a cookbook because it's not what I have to offer people. So, I think the biggest thing that helps you write a book and put some of those voices that come into your head to rest is to just say what what do I what do I need to write? What's what's inside of me that I want to share? You know, and you might find that. All you have is an essay that you want to share, or or maybe you have a series of books. It doesn't, I think, but you're never going to know until you sit down and try to say it. And it's at that point that you realize, huh, maybe I didn't, I didn't have as much to share in certain areas of the arts to, as I thought I would, but I had a lot to say of, here's the best stuff I've learned in my life. Here's thoughts on a perfect life from an imperfect person. So we're going to talk about legacy. We're going to talk about forgiveness, having a sense of humor, integrity, you know, the different relationships you have in your life with friends. And, and, and that started to, once I got that theme going, then, then it was just doing the work and massaging the essays until they felt like your voice. 
the way it feels. And that, that does, it's a whole different muscle, but probably the thing I'm most glad of having done professionally so far, you know? I love it because I think it's really like some sort of leave behind when you're, when we're not here in 20, 30, 40, well, 50 years. Let's hope. Your kids, your grandkids will have that book and they'll have a, a specific memory, even if they never met you, of who you are and what you thought and your philosophies it's on a, It's a great reason to, for everybody to write a book, you know, and not, and you don't think about it for like, how do I market it? It's not about the money. I always joke around with Shady. I'm like, this is my latest get rich quick scheme. <laughs> I'm going to write a book. It's not about it's not about that. It's about just what you said, leaving it for your people, you know, to let them know what you thought. And I would, I would be very grateful at this point to have more. I do. Some of my relatives did write books, and they're not all great books, but but it's fun to read where people were at, you know, and see what what was going on. I had a, a great grandmother who had a series of letters between her and Albert Einstein that just surfaced recently, and. Uh, she was very mad at him for not endorsing her book, and he could, but he thought she had some really good ideas. But he, it was dur it was leading up to World War II, and it was so it was fascinating to not only see her passion for, you know, the threat that was happening in Europe and her sense that America should be much more involved, but to also see her lack of restraint with Albert Einstein. <laughs> I mean, she basically was throwing temper tantrums and letters. <laughs> And uh, I have that inside me, that capability. And when you, it was just, I felt very connected to her actually reading that, you know, and also was like, note to self, don't throw temper tantrums with famous physicists or whatever. But Iconic members of history. When, when you're writing, I mean, when you're writing music and then you're writing a book, uh, I would imagine it's, you're a storyteller, so maybe it's not very different, but... Is it different kind of going from poetry to prose? Like, did you find that you struggled one way or the other, or did it just kind of flow? You know, part in some ways it flows because you just get you get going. But y you put these words down, and then you just go, that sentence doesn't read right. It doesn't sound like my voice. So then you go back and you try to make it your voice, but then am I being as clear? Is mm. this clear? Is this... So it's so much just trial and error and trial and error. And a lot of times you can sit there and wrestle with, uh, every writer I've met explains the same thing, but you just, you just have to do it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it takes a long time and it's, there's really no way to speed it along. Yeah. Like, and still have it be good. Cause it, you go back and you go, nope, that, that needs to be edited. You keep editing and editing and editing. And then, and then you do hit a point where you go, I'm sure this could be better, but we're gonna let it go now. Yeah, you know. And then you hopefully hand it over to an editor and you let them. Oh yeah, I had yeah. a wonderful editor who was fix it in post. The yeah. right, the right, <laughs> right amount of uh, tough love, and uh, and also she was gentle with me, you know, which it was good. <laughs> Speaking of writing and going back to poetry, let's get into your craft, right? The writing of of a song. You've been writing songs since you were. Certainly since middle school, I would, I'd started writing lyrics, and I think they were probably there. I just wasn't writing them down before that, mm -hmm. but that's when I started keeping notebooks. And you and were stuff. inspired by great songwriters like John Bon Jovi and... You bet. You know, 
Axl Rose. White Snake. White Snake. White. David Coverdale. Look what at this t-shirt I'm wearing. This is this I I modeled this Stephen Kellogg t-shirt that I'm wearing right now after my first White Snake t-shirt. That's that fantastic. I and I An think homage. it's I think it's so cool. It's our worst selling t-shirt that's on the road. <laughs> you can't you can't make these decisions this way. It turns out, but I love it. So no, 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 more White Snake, ten percent more White Snake. If you bring like a Firebird out on stage and slide across it, you know that'll that'll do it. That'll sell the t-shirts. I had a Firebird that I used to play, and I actually decided this is too much guitar for me, and I gave it to uh, Sam Getz, who then went on to write a number one hit on it, and use it in the video and i was like well that found its <laughs> home i guess <laughs> yeah so you're you're in delaware which is speaking of home the home of george thurgood yeah love george and and you were on the road for uh, a little while with george thurgood we did all, all, all of canada all of canada in, in 2008 so what do you learn by somebody who you know you talk about a guy who's got number one hits in like six different movies you know, Band of the Bone, I think, has been used in, like, ten different movies. Mm. What, do you, what do you pick up from a guy like that, either on stage or backstage or... So much. Trump? George George is one of the... He's very... Uh, he was very generous in the sense that he spent a lot of time with us when we were out opening for him. He would come in the back and wanted to always sing, like, Hank Williams songs and have seltzer and talk about family. I mean, he was not very bad to the bone, but he had a, uh, he had a willingness, a generosity, a spirit to pass on what he knew. And, and I remember him towards the end of the tour saying, Stephen, what do you, how often do you talk to your wife about what your decisions are? Because you're on the road a lot and everything. And he said, you have to make those decisions together. I mean, he really cares about that stuff. He's also a great showman, a great performer. Um, he would sometimes critique our show a little bit, which can come off wrong, but never did. You know, he knew how to he knew how to say it in a way that made you feel respected and you would consider it. And and 2008 was a little before we all had like cell phones that just could do everything. So I I didn't uh, we didn't exchange numbers that last night or email, but but we were very close for that time that we were on the road. And I remember the last night he left in our dressing room. Yeah, there were three of us in the band on the tour, and he left one of his bracelets, one of his necklaces, and some other uh, shark tooth thing. And it, you know, he said a little note to us, uh, and and uh, we each took one of his things. And I still have that bracelet and bullets, and it's one of my prized possessions, really. That's know? amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen George like. Four times, and he brings it every time. I mean, over like a twelve-year period, and he he's brings so it every good. time. He's yeah. really so good, and I, man, I got to see him again because I remember at the time I I took a lot of things away from the way that he performs and builds a set, and I don't remember which things they were. So I should see him <laughs> again, and and oh, uh, that's what that was. Check in yeah. with those guys again, and they all had a good sense of humor too. The the uh, I remember them pranking us, which is a tour custom at the end of a tour. If you have a good vibe going, you get pranked. And their whole crew came out in French-made costumes and started, like, running around while we were playing some ballad. <laughs> it was a, it was hilarious. They just had French-made costumes? No, on? they went and bought oh, them. Oh, good, good. Okay. Just for the benefit of the prank. And I think they set up like a tea set <laughs> it was it was a little weird but and we were playing like an arena he's he's very big in in canada um 
you know, they, they really, they love George up there. So it was cool. It was hilarious. So, so you would say he, he's influenced you? George, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all, we're all sort of fellow travelers. You meet a band that's just starting out, or you meet a superstar. And one may be, you know, doing it at a higher level, but essentially everybody's, there's a common language and there's not a ton of, of, of uh, people in this club that have chosen to kind of do this as the thing that they do. So there's a, um, so you talk shop and you share stories and you pick up little, it's like a support system. It would like any other career where you have people that also do it. I would say he's influenced me and in just in knowing him, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, you've been on the road with, you mentioned uh, Counting Crows, uh, on the road with Toad the Wet Sprocket. Yeah. Like, a lot of those same type of kind of fraternity. Yeah, yeah. All, and, and, you know, you you end up, it's just, it's always a conversation that happens one night about songwriting that might stick with you, or if somebody's a great performer. There are performers who I've toured with who I see what they do and you get and you go okay that's i want i want to take that or that's not for me you know you just it, we're all sort of working off the same playbook that's available and it's just picking what you what plays you want to run you right know? yeah make sure you make sure you hold on to that lead by the end of the game we're exactly. going with football analogies i love a football <laughs> and i love any sports analogies <laughs> when we're talking about music i i, I use them <laughs> constantly yay sports ball you talked about being an introvert and yet you stand on the stage in front of 7,000 people. Right. Introverted you know. extrovert. I would say I'm an introverted introvert, but I'm living <laughs> an extroverted life, you know? Um, and, and when I say introvert, it's not that I don't like people. It's just that I, I, um, I, I get to a place where there's nothing left. And unless I can, you know, my my wife thinks I'm a freak. I mean, she's she hates going to parties with me and stuff. It's it's just and sometimes I, I'm up for it. I really am, but I I need quiet time and I need like solitary time. And uh, I'm not at all depressed, but I'm a pretty like melancholy. I see a lot of things, even beautiful things, and see the sadness in them too. And so I just like time to process that and and not have anybody feel like what's wrong with you, man. You know, it's like nothing's wrong. I just, this is how I roll, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. I appreciate that on uh, every level. I'm very similar. You are? Oh, oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. If you just want to sit and reflect for a bit, I appreciate that. I, I, I can go to the party, but I can't do it all night. Exactly. I had to screw up my courage to call for a late checkout today. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can do this. You might you know. be inconveniencing someone, and yeah. then they're going to have to go into the computer and type two things. And yeah, what if they say no? Or <laughs> maybe they got in a fight with their yeah. significant other this morning, and they might they take might it out it. on me. <laughs> but it's got to be really tough for you when you're around so many people in performance that, like, they're amped because you just gave them a high. How do you – well, I don't know. You just kind of explained it, but, yeah, deal yeah, with that. But, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't go out after the show. On, the, on this tour, I'm a support act. So I do go out because that's part of the job. I'm doing a shorter set, so there's, there, there's gas in the tank for that. And, uh, and I want to give people – I mean, I, I, you know, I want people to be pleased and have a great memory. But we uh, – years ago, we moved all our 
kind of meet and greets and stuff to be before the show because usually once the show is done I've I've tried to leave everything I have on that stage and I'm just like ready to chill you yeah. know and that's another reason that Shady has been such a not only a great coworker but a really good friend cuz I can talk we I cannot say anything for 6 hours and he's not worried about it and as as he shouldn't be but it's, it's hard long, to explain then long time in the van without talking it is it really is but we do it it's amazing podcasts um, freakonomics i just work and shady has a superhuman love for driving when we're when we're on a bus on this tour but when we're uh it's almost like I, I think Shady almost looks sad when we have when we're on a bus. <laughs> he he's not driving because he doesn't have the drive. You know, Shady's not on the mic, so he can't defend. Yeah, that. yeah. you can say whatever you want right now, yeah. and there yeah. is a mic. It's true. There's a fourth <laughs> mic if you want to jump on. But I mean, 20 years together. I mean, that's that's huge, right? You, that, I think somebody s- told me once, like the true mark of a friendship is that you can sit in a car with someone for an hour and not say anything, and it'd be fine. Well, I guess we're pretty good friends. Yeah. Time six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, do it for six hours. Then. Yeah. New record out? Yep. Keep it up, kid. Keep it up, kid. A lot of good anthem songs on there, good ballad songs on there. We've been playing it a lot in the house. We love the color. We love the feel of a record. Yeah. We have the vinyl, so we, we appreciate that. It's uh, Sometimes it gets a little uh, elbows are thrown because Taylor Swift record comes out. She's and the best, man. Yeah, it's I, tough I, to... That's, that's <laughs> I, as I could... Uh, if I got to get bumped off the off the turntable, <laughs> Turn table, I'll right. take it for her. Yeah. We're going next month. Two months. To Taylor Swift? Yeah. Is you, that a Gillette? You managed to get tickets. <laughs> it, I couldn't get them around here, so I, I we're going to Tampa, Florida. That's how crazy wow. this was. She's not she's not uh, big in Tampa, Florida, or is that just where she you... She is big. That's just where we figured something out. Yeah. it's uh, It was... And there was a lot of discussion. You know, oh, will this be from Santa? And I'm like, are you kidding me? No. This is from the parents. No. <laughs> Santa got you no. the uh, socks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is mom and dad. Yeah, we we got. I, I was lucky enough to get tickets from a friend from the Philadelphia Eagles. And then as the Philadelphia Eagles progressed through the playoffs, I said, oh man, I really wish I didn't get those Taylor Swift tickets. I'd really rather go to the NFC Championship game. But uh, the wife will enjoy it, and uh, that's really, you know. It'll be great. Yeah. Have you seen her before? I have not, and I kind of wanted to She's go. She's great. Yeah, she's, she's great. seen her a number of times and yeah. puts on a great show and, and gives the people what she wants. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to me, I, she still connects with her audience even in, uh, you know, 60,000-seat venues, mm-hmm. which I guess when you have a 200-foot video screen, it's hard not to connect with your audience. And I, I think she does it better than anyone, though. I really do. I've seen her a bunch, and I, I find her very inspiring. I mean, I love that, the, obviously, it's a soundtrack for my daughters, and that, that there's something to that, but I I'm, I am not at all ironic when I say that I'm a big, big fan. Yeah, We met her briefly, mm. and I don't, I, I've met so many charismatic people in my life, I don't think I've ever had anybody in two minutes make me feel as seen she just she does some pretty magic stuff she's probably not really human <laughs> that's really it that's all i can figure it like could be ai i've never <laughs> heard anyone say a bad word about her who wasn't a kardashian like that's just i've seen i, I used to work in entertainment venues uh, and i love watching an artist connect even if it's not my cup of tea sure. i've seen yeah from country to rap to heavy metal like I, I love watching the artist connect and i've you know taylor swift is one but like even 
Bruce Springsteen. I've seen him get up in the crowd and chug a guy's beer, and I'm like, but then I see Jimmy Buffett, and the chasm between the audience and him is so wide. I'm like, that guy's not connecting with yeah, the audience. Sure. Because 90% of them are over the legal limit. But that's beside the <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's one of the things I appreciate with you. You used to, I don't, I can't remember if you did it in the last, yeah, I think you did do it in the last show where you bring the chair out in the middle of the audience, and it's just you and the guitar, and you stand on the chair, and I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you know, sometimes you do that. I think the last show that you were at when we were talking was that one at the end of the show. I think we had all the kids yep. in the crowd get up on stage, and I didn't. It was cool. It was spontaneous, but the video was awesome. It looked like it's just the kids just kept coming. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't believe how many kids were at the concert. Yeah, I think you brought like one kid, and then they all assumed this was for them. And yeah, yeah, we had you're the mean, Pied Piper up there, and all of a sudden you like got fifty it. kids singing "You Are My Sunshine" at the yeah. top of their lungs. And yeah, that was cool. I yeah, and we can talk all day. I love that the multi generational thing is a thing for you now my house and i'm sure i've seen it you know at, at the shows where the kids are getting into that 15 16 17 year old and, and they're liking the live music you know probably 20 30 years ago you were digging through your parents or your uncles your cool uncles 45s and they're like oh are you experienced mamas and the papas yeah like beach boys let's oh like, what are our kids gonna listen to is it pearl jam like do they go into our 45s or right but we don't have to, we have cds but we don't they're not out. Do you listen to your parents' cassette tapes? Like I did. Your old cassette tapes now? I ha I still have two eight tracks, and one is Inagata Devita, but Iron oh Butterfly, and, <laughs> and and the other one's Endless Summer. Nice. I still have them. Don't listen to them, but I have them. I do appreciate that artists will still record on vinyl now. Like the vinyl's mm -hmm. made a comeback because it feels like they're we're gonna have this gap. Right, if digital if something happens to digital files, you're gonna have this huge gap between 1999 and 2015, where everything was on CDs or digital files, and there wasn't that physical medium to go back to. You know, yeah. What I are historians gonna dig up in 500 years from now? I don't know. The music putting out music right now doesn't feel as real. It feels a little strange for sure. Yeah, yeah, and everything's so single driven. I feel like it's all like trying to catch, you know, what's gonna get the replays on TikTok to drive people to Spotify to get the point zero 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 three cents per stream. Yeah, yeah, we spend more time on that stuff than I than I care to, and I don't think any of us have our heart in it, which is why we're not necessarily doing great at that at that particular thing. But then it occurs to me to just keep to just it's okay to if as long as it keeps working in mm. some way, you can keep doing what you want to do. So I, I mean, we'll we'll keep putting out i like gonna keep making records uh, collections of songs i think that's that's what we signed up for and that's what we're gonna keep doing for better or worse well and the way you can tell a story on an album too right i mean it's it, 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 i love a good single but the way i love to sit and sit with granted i'm a journalist I, i'll still pick up a newspaper and read a newspaper yeah but. Steven's got places to go. Shady's got places to Are go. Are you Shady, Shady giving us the wink? Okay. Yeah, they got they okay. got a big show tonight. Sold out. Matt Nathanson. If you can, wherever you're listening to this, you may in, or may not get be in able the to time get machine tickets. and go back in time because we're not going to have this out before. But they he's play. still got another three weeks. Of we got we got weeks. Yeah, we'll be okay. around. One that's we you can set your watch to the to Kellogg shows. Always seem, we always seem to be on the road forever. Thank but you for that. Yeah. And your fans, thank yeah. you. So uh, I just wanted to say a couple thanks uh, 
to our executive, executive producer, our boss, County Executive Matt Meyer. Always. Stevens Road Manager Shady, thank you. Stevens Management, Marionette and Dale, thank you for setting that up. And are you, uh, are you, how, how are the pipes feeling? Good. Can you We're, give us a little taste? Yeah. You, you want what you want me to sing? Is that what you're asking? We've never recorded <laughs> music in here. I am very curious to see how this will and work. And I was but I was dying to bring like five or six people in and actually get a live studio audience, but I think we'll do that next time. Yeah, let's dry run this first. All right. Do you wanna swing out that way? And I'll give you this mic for the guitar and you sure. can sing on that do, one. Do like a tube? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Let's do uh let's see. Get this guy just angled down a little. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should work. Should we fire away? Go for it. All right. Seems like only yesterday you climbed up in that bus. Picture with the big old cage. And you're smiling back at us Birthdays and recital Driving you all over town We were both so busy Trying not to let you down But love's a one-way street And you will always have my heart I know you're in a rush You were from the very start so if I hold your hand too long or embarrass you in class, no more hanging on, cause it goes fast. It goes fast. Cat was in the cradle and I work most every day. Fumbling for the words, trying to know what I should say. When was I to push you? When was I to let you be? If we had each other's eyes, can you imagine what we'd see? But love's a one-way street, and I know that much is true. I sometimes got frustrated, saw so much of me and you. But all of your best moments and the worst ones too won't last. It's like smoke right through your hands. It goes fast. It goes fast. It goes fast. Day your car rose out that driving that doesn't park here anymore. That is the day that we were getting you ready for. See it when you have your own someday. 
The distance between then and now It was shorter than we knew And if you don't believe me, dear One day you'll know it's true We're not the first to feel this way And we will not be the last There's something about that old cliche It goes fast It goes fast It goes fast That was fantastic. Uh, Stephen, that was thank you so much. You are so welcome, guys. Thanks for having me and thanks for a great chat. I want to bring in musical artists to do acoustic sets in here now for every podcast we ever do. That was great. It's fun. It's fun. Actually, the sound is really good too. I mean, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Shady. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Great seeing you. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys.